here. I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just emptying my head and just saying what I think. All right. Um, so what am I doing now? Um, I'm supposed to be talking about something else, um, which I'll get back to. Love. I got onto love. If everybody could love each other. Um, look, I'll just completely go back to what what I started with was. Um, that I'm coming from, right, this episode is going to, and that wasn't a bad digression, I liked that one, I don't care, alright, but here we are, we're going to get back onto it now, um, yeah, I know how I got onto that, but I'm not going to go back over that, I just remembered how I got onto that, right, different perspectives from different people, right, now I'm going to now talk about two different perspectives, and that is the uh, two people for whom skin colour matters a hell of a lot and that's AB who's my black friend Uh I remember where I got to all this and Captain W.E. Johns who is my white friend okay Captain W.E. Johns who writes big old books and probably was dead before I was born I don't know when he died right now AB oh yes and I and I um and I was talking about how um Europe got a jump. Now, Europe happens to be, in this world of AB and Captain W.E. Johns, Europeans are white, right? It's their facial sort of characteristics, you know, it's their um, ethnic sort of facial characteristics. We call them white, okay? In this world. I'm not giving my personal opinion, I'm giving AB's personal opinion, and also Captain W.E. Johns, you know, and they'd hate each other. Captain W.E. Johnson, A.B. Right. Europeans are white. Lock that in. Right? Here comes the strange logic. There's a logic that goes with this. Everyone else isn't white. Okay, got that? Now, Europeans have a certain, especially Northern Europeans at this point in history I'm talking about, they're the whitest. You know, we've moved away from even the Italians and the Greeks, who in history were the superior races, you know, for much, much longer. But right now we've moved up to the sophisticated people, technology, science, philosophy, you know, obviously the Greeks started with that and the Indians started that with that in their own way and everybody's a, you know, all the cultures have got their own philosophies. But we're talking about, you know, capital P philosophy. Um, The sophisticated people at a certain point in history became the northern Europeans, you know, the ones who were wearing monocles, monocles and suits and all this sort of stuff, you know, and um, who've got technology and um, are pretty much like the characters Bertie um, in um, Bertie in Biggles um, and also von Stalin, the Nazi, you know. If you ever read a Beagle's book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, all right. So these become the sophisticated people, afforded that by the fact that they have this technological jump and science jump on the rest of the world. All right, so white people become their own version of sophisticated, okay? Next. And all the other... And they perceive everybody else in the world to be living like crap, Okay. Now, you can agree or disagree with that, but that's the way they perceived it, okay? Everyone in the world is living like crap, Um, um, but we're living with all this technology, all right? Now, um, so they look around the world and they see that. Europeans are living the way they want to live, and and everyone else in the world who have different colours, who we will call blacks, yellows, reds and any other color but white all right doesn't really matter technically what their skin color is all right um, but that's the way that every the Europe northern Europeans especially see it now I'll pause right there because I've, I've reached a destination of one sort or another in my car and I have to hop out of the car but I'll continue this conversation later and try and make sense of this black and white thing you know and how it got so poisonous I'm back yet again. 
and this episode is now completely out of control, but I'm just going to operate on the premise that nobody's listening now, so I'm just going to roll with it and ride it and uh, and just keep chatting. You know, this is going to be one of those odd episodes where I'm just chatting, uh, repeating myself ad nauseum, whatever. You know, I don't care anymore. I've, 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 <laughs> I'm running around doing all sorts of things. It's late at night on a Sunday night and I'm heading back through the city and I couldn't even describe what I've been up to. All right, so this episode, yeah, I'm up to this point where I, um, we're operating on the idea that, uh, I didn't want to say operate on the premise again, operating on the idea that the whole black and white thing has spun completely out of control in the modern world, right? It's gone past critical mass, you know, and it's gone nuts, especially in America, you know. If there's any Americans listening, yeah, you would know that in your country, um, if a policeman, for example, um, shoots a, uh, a person, a citizen, you know, um, um, as a matter of course, unless I'm wrong from what I've heard, you know, of things being reported out of the United States, the colour of the policeman and the victim will be the first priority in reporting. So. A, and today, a white policeman shot a black um, person, you know, or a black policeman shot a black person, or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, a black man was shot today in the suburb of such and such, uh, and the policeman was also black, all right? Something like that. It always goes like, now, now I'm not saying we're better in Australia, but we don't actually do that yet. You know, I think we are starting to spin out of control too. You know, not yet. We um, maybe because of, you know, black. Um, we, we've we've had indigenous people here. And we've got a huge problem with um, you know, when it comes to the law and indigenous peoples. And I've long argued that that I'm not the only one. That that's because our laws don't culturally don't match. You know the laws that would work for indigenous people you know and i think i've i've been through that a lot you know um politics and laws arise from culture you know i think that's a pretty strong point um okay say it again politics and laws arise from culture so our politics and laws arise from european culture i'm talking i'm a european australian you know all right from our culture you know our culture that has been developing for thousands and thousands of years, many thousands of years, you know, 65,000 years if you like, but our Australian law and Australian politics has emerges from our entire history, you know, which, which for reasons I won't go into, include ancient Celtic and Germanic ways, which were slightly different than Greco-Roman ways, you know, we've got our own spin, uh, but we also took on Greco-Roman ways as well. Um, the Eastern Roman Empire, Constantinople and all of that, you know, the great law makers there, Justinian and all that sort of stuff, had a huge impact on our laws. You know, I, I think it was Justinian, um, but in, Constant in Constantinople, they um, um, wanted to summarise all, you know, because that was Rome too. You know, after Rome fell, the Eastern Roman Empire kept going, and that was Rome as well. So Rome didn't fall. In, even though it fell in the West, in 473, was it? Whatever it was. Um, Rome kept going in the East, you know, and they called themselves Roman. We, used to, we call that Byzanti Byzantium now, you know, but that's only in retrospect, you know. We've rebranded them. They themselves called themselves Rome and Romans. Um, but, um, and the lawmakers in Constantinople went back in time to their history, all right? Now, just remember, um, the Western Roman Empire has fallen by now. I don't know when this was, maybe 500, 600, and all that sort of stuff, um, AD. Um, and... Um, and, you know, they've gone back in time into their history, 
which included, you know, all the way through from Julius Caesar, Augustus, and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, Cicero before that, the great lawmakers and all this sort of stuff, and the great politicians. They've gone back in their history, and, um, and they collected together all the laws and collected them into books, you know, which became a very influential and important book. Now, I think those laws ended up in the, back in Western Europe or something, even after... Anyway, somehow it has all come down and it, it, somehow it's all ended up, you know, informing our laws, even here in Australia. So our, we've got this hugely, uh, this huge, deep culture here in Australia, in West, you know, the Western, the Westerners, you know, we Westerners. Um, and, um, and... We've got a huge, yeah, our laws and politics arise from our ancient history, okay, as Westerners. And that's pretty much, you know, sort of a Greco-Roman structure with the ideologies, uh, the culture and the culture of uh, Germanic peoples overlaid into that, you know, that gave it, that um, it's a blend of all of that, you know what I mean? And, and the Celtic ways as well. Okay, so that's that. Um, and so we we have a problem with applying those laws to indigenous peoples whose cultures give rise would ordinarily give rise to a completely different politics and set of laws. And this is the way I think it is. You know, so we we um, have a problem in a way saying why can't indigenous people just fit in with our politics and laws and to do that they would have to go back and have our cultural experience for the last 65,000 years instead of their own you know and this is where I think Andrew Bolt and all these sorts of people who a casual observer would say might be like me you know I might be bundled in to be someone who is like Andrew Bolt who is a conservative commentator in here in, in Melbourne um, but I'm not like him um, you know uh, and he um, he's got this way of saying unity is not to have all these different tribes we're all one Australia, which all sounds really good, you know. There, I can understand where he's coming from, you know. If we're not going to have, if we want a non-racist, non-tribal, um, non-fractured uh, civilization here in Australia, then we all need to work together and do away with this business of talking black and white and all that sort of stuff. And do away with... Uh, and everybody follow the same law, you know, one law for all, you know, and that's unity, unity. And if, you know, and if if another country comes to invade us, we all stand shoulder to shoulder and we all fight as one and, you know, stop all this divisiveness, you know, stop the black and white and all that sort of stuff, you know, which all sounds fairly good to me on the surface, but um, I can't help thinking that it's uh, your, you know, it's it's tantamount to asking indigenous people to become culturally us, you know, when they're culturally something else. And our politics and laws, even though in theory it sounds like everyone should follow those laws and we'll all be all right if everyone would just fit in, um, it's just culturally doesn't work, you know. Um, you can't it's a bit like uh, I perceive and I maybe you know you might criticize me here and say I'm just being a Westerner um, but um, when we try to force democracy and I'm talking Western style democracy into the Middle East via um, George W Bush and all that you know the axis of loveliness or whatever we call ourselves uh, no uh, whatever we you know um, John Howard, Tony Blair, and George W. Bush. I remember all of that. You know, I always felt that George W. Bush was the sort of dumb kid with all the big military, and uh, yeah, that's a bit simplistic. And he managed to get 
two highly intelligent people, John Howard and Tony Blair, to be his credibility, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, let's, I'll, I'll move there. But the point is, you know, at, at that time, the Middle East kind of operated on a strongman kind of um, political system which seemed to be working for them in a very brutal way. And we kind of thought, if we can force democracy in there, you know, and notwithstanding that places like Syria were part of the Roman Empire and had, you know, and, and were very Greek-speaking and all that in ancient, ancient times, and knew all about Greek democracy and all that sort of stuff far long, long before places like England did. But put that aside, I'm just talking about what you might call modern Middle Eastern culture. Um, you know, which has a huge history and golden ages and all sorts of things. Look, it's a whole subject I'm going to get into another podcast. Islamic golden ages and all that sort of stuff, you know, during the Western world's sort of dark ages, you know, and all this sort of stuff. It's very complex, you know. Um, the, the Islamic world was reading Aristotle and Plato and Socrates in ways that, you know, at a time when Westerners kind of weren't even reading except for, you know, some, except for, let's say, the priests, you know. So it all gets very, you know, it's a huge topic. It's not simple. You know, people want to simplify topics. It's not simple. But, um, yeah, so um, black and white, um, what was I talking about? Um, I'm trying to keep this as, on a black and white theme. Um, yeah, culturally... Uh, yeah, I know what I was talking about. Um, culturally, you know, I do, and I'm only talking, this is my sense of logic, right? That it seems, that's one kind of logic, what Andrew Bolt is saying, that we should all play happy families. But another part of my logic says, well, why should we, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but if it's actually not going to happen, if it's not going to work, then maybe it's not as good idea, not as good an idea as it sounds, you know. If indigenous people in Australia, because of 65,000 years of culture, simply can't flip the switch inside 100 years or 200 years and suddenly um, be able to operate on an equal footing inside a politics and set of laws that is not a cultural fit from them, then any amount of wishing for unity is not going to get the result that you claim is, is going to come about. It's just not going to get that because um, it's, a, it's a bad fit. It's like asking we Europeans to fit in with indigenous traditional laws. You know, I don't hear Andrew Bolt suggesting that. So he's definitely suggesting that indigenous... Look, we, we can all be unified if everyone plays, a, plays the game the way we play it we Europeans. You know, it's Andrew Bolt saying, look, we will have perfect unity if everyone plays the game my way. You know, that's the sort of thing, I think. But anyway, um, so we do have our problems in Australia, no doubt about it, but America, but on the black and white, just the words black and white, America seems to have spun out of control wildly, even more so than us, just in the use of those words, such that, as I say, when um, you know everything is about you know when when you are described in America, it's the first thing they talk about is whether you're black or white, you know, in the news or whatever, you know, or if you're an activist, black activist, boom boom boom, black activist, you know, in Australia we might say indigenous activist, you know, but black activist, um, yeah, white commentator, such and such, you know, um, says boom boom boom, and black activist. Uh, was scathing in response, you know, that sort of thing. So everything's black and white over there, and we're less so. But of course, American culture is so pervasive that I think a lot of, you know... Well, we have African-Africans in Australia, for example. They're not Amer African-Americans. We don't have a history of slavery with Africans at all in Australia. We Technically, we have no history of slavery at all with anybody. There's no history of slavery on the... Uh, on the continent of Australia at all. We had a um, we had something that was so close to slavery it didn't matter with the Pacific Islanders up in Queensland um, early on 
and yeah, the legacy of that continues. Um, and we, you know, we had these indentured labour practices, um, which you know had that effect, you know. But we didn't own slaves, so it wasn't that. So we didn't own people. We didn't have this culture of owning people per se. Even as bad as we might have treated them, we didn't own them. You know, we couldn't buy and sell people. You know, in Australia. Um, um, and um, we had indigenous people in an indentured labour sort of situation um, where, but they, but you know, they weren't owned, the indigenous people weren't owned and they would frequently walk off a property, you know, uh, and all that sort of thing. It was terrible conditions, etc. Et anyway, all of that. Anyway, we don't have this whole black-white thing that America's got. And I think the black and white thing really spins out of control in America mostly. And I'll get onto that next. Um, and I'm, 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 and I'm really operating from this idea that uh, there is a huge black and white problem in the world, and it's not just confined to America. It's everywhere the Europeans have gone. And it's because of that superior, superiority complex that they got at one stage in their history, um, in the history of the world, where you know Europeans looked around and they said, well, look at the logic. All the white people in the world have got um, a, a, a more advanced, in their words, you know, um, type of technology and science and all that sort of thing. And everybody else, to their way of looking at things have got a less advanced sort of situation going on. Now obviously there's also an argument that um, uh, that indigenous people for example had a more advanced culture in it in a way that the Europeans couldn't perceive. You know, sometimes you can be culturally more advanced even if you haven't got an iPhone, you know what I mean. It is your measure of being more sophisticated if your measure of being more sophisticated is whether you possess an iPhone, whether you've developed the iPhone and the car, uh, was the iPhone created by a Syrian? Uh, hang on, am I mixing up my guys? Um, anyway, keep going. Um, I'm going to get Bill Gates and all this sort of stuff. I'm going to get them all mixed up, so don't worry about that. Um, and, um, you know, it depends how you measure merit, you know. Um, but there might be more merit in being able to work in, uh, in concert with the land. Might be uh, more sophisticated than inventing a way of crisscrossing the land with highways, you know, and concrete buildings. Look, that's an old story and you know it. Let's get back to the black and white um, thing. So America, I think, has span out of control. Now, at this point, we get this situation where you might have, you know, might be saying, yes, we agree, the whole black-white thing has spun out of control in America and worldwide. Um, and even with African-Africans in Australia, they're starting to feel like they're just like African-Americans. As to how they could, um, that would have to be thought, thought through a little bit. I won't discuss that one. Um, because they don't have the same history, but they, they do in the colonial sense, a lot of them. But um, African-Americans are a certain um, context all of their own uh, because they, you know, a lot of them are descended from slavery. Um, and whereas the ones coming into Australia are more immigrants from Africa and from African countries. All right, so the black and white thing spins out of control in America, especially and across the world. We accept that. Okay. Now, there's some people who say, right, yes, we accept that, but the more you talk about it, the worse it'll get. So, sporty, why are you even, why are you talking about it even more? And I say, because I'm not actually trying to make the world a better place here in this podcast. You know, you're, you're, you know, you might be a conservative saying, listen, if you keep talking about the black and white thing, it'll make it worse. And I'm here to say, I'm not here with any motivation to make things better or worse, I'm here to chat. I just want to chat about it. I don't want to make the world a better place. I'm not trying to be helpful. You know, you might say, it's unhelpful, the path you're going down here, sporty, talking about it so much, so much you know. But I said, I told you the terms of reference of this podcast. 
And the terms of reference for this podcast are something other than being helpful. I am not trying to be helpful with my words. If you're an African, I'm not trying to make you feel better. If you're a, a white person, if you're a black person, I've got to get back to black and white. If you're a black person, my words here are not designed to bring you any comfort. I am simply trying to empty my head with whatever's in there with respect to this topic. If you're a white person, I am not here to try and make you lie more straight in bed or give you greater hope for the future. That we can all live as one. You know, if you're a progressive, we are seven billion beautiful souls and if we could only realise it and forget about our differences, we could all live as one big happy family. You know, I'm not here to make you feel more hopeful on that point. I am here for what you might call horrible reasons, which, but which I call virtuous reasons, where I am free to empty my head uh, to achieve as much clarity as I can around this subject, even if it does take me six million words to get there. And if it does take me six million words to get there, well, I'm no worse than humanity itself, who has been uh, talking this black-white thing to death for since I was born and getting nowhere. You know, you want to criticise me for saying making a podcast that's too long, an episode that's too long? Try looking at yourselves, humanity. You've been waffling on about this subject for my entire 56-year life and really you're going backwards and you've got nowhere at all. You're all hopeless, you know. You're no better than me. Okay, on with the show. Now, um, so... I am here in this part of the episode, what I'm calling the fourth quarter, to approach the black and white thing from the perspective of two people, one of them black, one of them white, who think that skin colour does matter. And I'm talking my friend AB and the author, Captain W.E. Johns, who wrote the Bibbles books. They're the two people um, that we're going to... We're going to come at this black and white thing. If you're if you're a conservative like Andrew Bolt who says ignore the black and white thing, this you're not relevant to this. I'll, you know I'll, I'll come at it from your perspective another day, but not today. Okay, I might have already come at it from your perspective um, in another part of this episode earlier on, but not now. Okay, and if you're an out now, ra- uh, not racist. Um, if you're an African-American, like uh, Michael Jackson, who says, if you want to be my baby, it doesn't matter. It don't matter if you're black or white, you know? It don't matter if you're black or white. Yeah, that's how he says it. If you want to be my baby, it don't matter if you're black or white. If you're an African-American and you want to spin, go down that path, this is not for you. Okay, so this episode, this portion of this episode is not for Michael Jackson, who wants you to disregard skin colour and to show how irrelevant it is by even switching from black to white himself you know in real life and knocking himself off in the process quite possibly especially losing a nose did he? Um, so it's not from a Michael Jackson perspective it's not from an Andrew Bolt perspective who is trying to make the world a better place even if you hate his guts because he's a conservative and you're a progressive. He's not coming from that perspective. Um, he's not coming from a white perspective, uh, sorry, a white progressive perspective, you know, who, uh, such a person, you know, who might be me in real life, who says, listen, you know, let's not over talk it. This is coming from a perspective of someone else. AB, my friend, who is black, fuck brown, um, but black, who, for whom, and he says it matters. So out of respect for him, I'm going to come at it from a position that it matters. And for an author whose books I used to read when I was a kid, Captain W.E. Johns, writer of Biggles books, for whom skin colour was a major factor. And I will prove that later with excerpts from his books. All right. Uh, Which, you, you know, surely in the 21st century, most people would find racist. Um, even Andrew Bolt would read that and say, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's rough. That is real rough. Uh, you know, 
because Andrew Bolt, I think, is trying to wants the right things. I just don't think his solution will work. You know, this whole unity thing. Um, we can have unity if you do everything the the white person's way. I don't think that will quite work. You know, this is like Richie Bono in those comedy skits called The Twelfth Man. If you're into cricket, if you're a cricket fan, with me it's footy in cricket, footy in the winter, cricket in summer. We're in winter. That's why I'm talking a lot about the footy um, in these podcasts at the moment. Um, and Richie Bono used to say, "Let's all work as a team and do it my way." Now I think that's um, what. Uh, Andrew Bolt is saying, let's everyone, let's everyone work as a team and do it the European way. And whenever he sees evidence of, let's say, Indigenous people not doing that, or even immigrants um, uh, from other cultures, he says, you are going against unity, you are creating division, you are, you know, being divisive, and you are being tribal, and you guys are being the racists, not me. Now, he's got a point there. If you take it as reasonable that the Richie Beno comment lets everyone work as a team and do it our way. Right. Now, I happen in real life to think, no, that won't work. And believe it or not, I kind of, um, even though it's hard, even though it would be hard, and I'm not saying this from a moral perspective, I'm just saying it from a logical perspective, as messy and, look, the world's going to be messy no matter what. Strap yourselves in, everybody. You're not going to have this seven billion beautiful souls sort of world. It's going to get. It's going to be ugly forever. It's going to be messy forever. So choose your mess. What sort of mess do you want? And I think the best mess, all things considered, would be to go down the path, the incredibly difficult and messy path, of trying to carve out um, a way where Indigenous people who have indigenous culture can somehow come under a politics and set of laws that matches their culture. Okay, somehow, I know it's almost impossible, but all, all solutions are impossible. So, so what? So what? I know it's going to get ugly. I know there's going to be death. I know there's going to be riots and all sorts of horrible things, but so what? There's going to be deaths and horrible things and riots no matter what solution you've got. That's history. If you read history, even wonderful Rome really didn't ever go for long without major turmoil and deaths and horror. You know, like we always say, oh, Rome, you know, lasted 2,000 years, you know, lasted 1,000 years in the West and then another 1,000 in the East. What a, a paragon of success, you know, as an example of a civilization. But if you, if you actually study Rome closely, they had crisis after crisis after crisis for their entire history. Murder, mayhem, riots, you know. Check out, just Google Constantinople riots, you know. Riots were just part of the political fabric of ancient uh, of Constantinople, you know, in the Eastern Roman Empire. Uh, the people, you know, the people, there was organised riots, you know. Um, they had something like we have... They, yeah, we have footy teams, Essen and Collingwood and all that, Essen and Collingwood and Hawthorne and all that, you know, we don't really have riots, um, but they had more like soccer riots back then in Constantinople, oh, I think it was the Reds and the, the Reds and the Greens, or the Blues and the Greens, I can't forget what the two major teams were then, um, yeah. um, but, um, yeah, chariot riding and all that sort of stuff, alright, so it's going to be messy, I kind of think if we could, um, yeah, somehow have a, almost a dual political system in one and a dual um, set of laws. See, this is stuff that Andrew Bolt would hate. You know, hate. And a lot of people would be hating me listening to this. Even the real me might be thinking, nah, 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 that's not going to work. You know, but I'm not the real me here. I'm sporty. Um, the sporty monk having crazy ideas. But I still, you know, sometimes even the real me thinks along these lines. You know, if I was an Indigenous person, I think ideally everyone except Indigenous people should get the hell off this continent and let us just have Indigenous law here. All right. Yeah, but, you know, pragmatically, that's practical. In a practical sense, that's not going to happen. Okay. You know, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. And 
you know, if we do invite heaps of people from other cultures in here as a, a new wave of immigration, maybe they, they've got different cultures and they should come under their own laws, then it gets really messy. But I think Indigenous people um, are, are a special case because, you know, this is originally their, their land, you know, and there's this whole aspect of, in their culture, and they're humans too, um, you know, the land gave rise to them, it's, you know, um, the land produced them, the land produced their laws, you know, it's very deep. Alright, so that's that, um, but how did the black and white things spin out of control? Um, I think I've started to touch on that, I think there was, um, that Europeans got a jump in technology and science, and we got to this point, and, and then they looked around the world and said, alright, people with white skin have... A technological edge we call that sophistication and we call everything else that's not that not sophisticated um, therefore everyone else is more primitive than us and we do notice that we do happen to have white skin and they have non-white skin therefore you know this is this um, fallacious what I think is a, a fallacious argument and in pure logic terms I think it is a fallacious argument to draw a wrong conclusion from an, um, from a set of you know inputs. All right, people with white skin have got a technological edge on people who have got non-white skin. Therefore, it is the skin that's causing that, you know. And that's mixing up cause. What do they call that? Um, it's not causing. It's not mixing up cause and effect. There's a there's a term for that, you know, and I can't remember what it is. But just by me saying it, you'll know, you'll know what it is, all right? So white people felt that they had an edge. And so they, and out of that, an identity group grew of white people. You know, an idea called white people um, that didn't have a clear parallel in history, okay? Because it was, it was unique, you know, in a way because white-skinned people had a technological edge and other coloured-skinned people, put aside the fact that, you know, Japanese people tend to be a bit white as well. Um, it's, it, it goes past skin colour at this point. And Europeans got a technological edge who were, you know, a certain type of white skin. And people with non-colour had, uh, did not have that technological edge. And um, a, what I call illogical conclusion of, then it's to do with the skin arose. And perhaps in defence of those white people, um, they didn't know about DNA and all that sort of stuff. They ha it hadn't even been uh, proved that the different mobs all over the world were the same species or type of human. You know, it's all very well for us in the 21st century when we know that at a DNA level that we're all cousins, you know. Um, and uh, but back then, um, yeah, they just said white skins equals sophisticated and cultured and superior and non-white skins live like crap and not cultured you know they grew in the minds of white people and it starts with white people in my opinion this whole white and black thing spinning out of control um and i would say this to ab and i would say and i think ab and captain we johns on the opposite sides of the black white fence would both agree with me when i say that white people started to get a feeling of superiority over 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 non-white people who you know who were blacks and also yellows and reds um, and I, I don't think leave olive out of it you know because i think the greeks and the romans you know the white people knew that they had got their culture from there so they become white people too sort of thing there are exceptions to that you know but, you know, some people not including them, even, even them, you know, there are some examples in the world, and I think there was one example in the north of America, where they were sort of saying Greeks and Italians even, we don't even want to call them whites, you know. Um, that was a little unusual because their own culture, the white culture, had come from there. You know, the Renaissance started in Italy, the, the, the Medici family, you know. Um, and all that sort of stuff, and you know, and <laughs> everything that the Westerners call 
culture, you know, sort of starts in, in Greece, you know. So it's a bit weird in a way for whites to, it's a bit difficult and tricky to exclude Italy and Greece only because, you know, we were barbarians and they kind of gave us who we are to a large extent. And we know the influences on Greece and Italy from further in the east and you know Egypt and all that sort of stuff. But let's just keep this, keep this, you know, in the minds of white people, Europe. Let's just keep it simple. We're not talking about true, you know, fact here, historical fact. We're talking about what's in the heads of white people. And I think A. B. and Captain W. E. Johns, you know, A. B. who is black, in 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 my current definition of black. And Captain W.E. Johns, who's white, um, they would agree that whites at some point in time, and I reckon it was really hitting pay dirt by um, the time Australia came into being, which is 1901. At that point in time, critical moment, by the time 1901 came along and Australia is, is being born, you know, and by Australia I mean European Australia, um, you know, I've got other words for indigenous cultures, you know, like Wurundjeri peoples, you know, they're not Australia, you know, they predate Australia. Um, by around the end of the 19th century, you know, coming up to 1901, the start of Australia, I think white versus black in a white, supremacist white way, smashing black, and disrespecting all the other colours, but mainly white and black, was really reaching fever pitch. It was really solid in the minds of Europeans that white was superior and black was not. And this is where it starts to get really out of control. In the context of a long, long history when, you know, for example... Plenty of Africans were far more sophisticated and advanced than the barbarians up in Germany and England, you know, far more, you know, like Ethiopians, for example, you know, far more sophisticated at, you know, back in ancient times than um, my ancestors were. But it doesn't matter about the facts. It matters what was in the heads of people coming up to 1901. And at that time, um, uh, you have whites very much feeling superior to blacks around the world and you even have in Australia what we called a white Australia policy which was our first policy that we handed down when we when we became Australia European Australia and this is where we spin out of control to Australia but I will get back to America spinning out of control on the white black on white black lines because they span out of control more in a white-black way, but with the white Australia policy, that was a lot more about China, primarily, dominantly. Um, so it was more about yellow peril. So ours was more white-yellow. So white Australia policy, I think, um, was more along white-yellow lines, where America was more about white-black. But I'm not making any mistake about it in saying that... Um, white Australia policy translated to it was about fear of Chinese and working conditions and uh, wages and living conditions and all that sort of stuff that the white Australia policy came about it wasn't exactly about skin color but it ended up about skin color um, and it was about we don't want to live like the Chinese we don't want Chinese ways coming to Australia and you know and we don't want uh, Africans weren't in the picture but you know theoretically we wouldn't want Africans coming here and making Australia feel like Africa um, we're pushing the indigenous peoples aside anyway but white Australia policy wasn't pretty much ignored indigenous people you know indigenous people were just pushed aside it wasn't about trying to white Australia policy was an immigration policy it wasn't about indigenous people you know it was a yellow a white yellow policy primarily but it was about, let's keep Australia... Look, you know what it is? It was a European Australia policy. But because it was called a white Australia policy, it became, you know, nowadays, it is retro, retroactively or retrospectively, may, may people believe it in their heads to have been all about skin colour. But it was a bit more than that. 
But look, let's let's shoot back. I hope I gave a little bit of an idea of white Australia policy from what's in my head, from what people have told me about white Australia policy that wasn't quite about skin colour. But over in America with the um, African slavery and all that sort of stuff, it really was very, very black and white. Not so much in Australia, you know, although we were racist against blacks, but we were far more concerned about Chinese, I think, at that time, just after the gold rush when we didn't like the Chinese coming to get our gold and all that sort of stuff. We were far more concerned about wages and living conditions. Um, we felt... We, we looked around the world and we saw that Europeans, countries with the European population had better wages and better living conditions than everyone else. And we just, you know, drew a parallel to skin colour with that. And we said, we don't want that. We don't want Australia to be like that. We want Australia to stay white. And what we meant by that is Australia to stay European, especially not Chinese. You know, that's what we're roughly getting at. But Africa, uh, African-Americans, Americans had this huge black and white thing going on because they had African slaves, you know. So let's go across, let's, let's explore that, that, and that's that black and white thing, you know, and, and get away from the white Australia policy from the moment, uh, for the moment because um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that's not quite what it seems, you know. I'm not apologising for it or anything like that. I'm not apologising for anything um, in this podcast, but I'm just saying the black and white thing going out of control is very much a, a bigger thing about whites feeling like they are the superiors and Africans especially are not. All right, that'll do on that, and then we'll move on later. Um, okay. Quick digression back to reading out text messages to my GD and we were on the subject, you know my GD and I chat about you know anything and everything and we were talking about the different definitions of liberalism that exist between America, well the USA and Australia um, and uh, and I'm less cautious in my texts to my GD than I am in this podcast. So the language changes, you know, because it's just her and me, you know. So take that into account. But I'm about to read something. But if I was speaking it directly into this podcast, I would qualify my words a lot more. Okay. Now, um, the context, uh, my GD was listening to... Um, uh, YouTube clips from America in which um, conservatives, let's say, or Republicans, let's say, were uh, attacking liberals. But that's very confusing in Australia because the Liberal Party here, you know, they're the conservatives, you know, so there's something, a kind of an opposite stay thing happening here. Uh, all right, so let's go. And this is just my texts. And as I say, the grammar is incautious, shall we say. All right, so take that into account. All right. The Democrats in America are pushing for elitist socialism and they are adding insult to injury by calling it liberty liberalism. Okay. So, you know, I would not phrase that like that if I was speaking that into this podcast. Okay, but, you know, let's keep going. The Republicans naturally wish to oppose that. However, being stupid themselves, see, that's the sort of thing I wouldn't say in this podcast. It's just her and me, you know. However, being stupid themselves, rather than oppose them using what the Democrats really are, elitist socialism, you know, they might a little bit more than that but instead of that instead of that the republicans use the word the democrats wrongly refer to themselves as and the republicans say they oppose liberalism okay so what i'm getting at there the republicans 
might not be opposed might be opposing liberalism in an American context, but they wouldn't be opposing the liberals here in Australia because the liberals here in Australia are conservatives, you know, so to speak. Now, look, the Liberal Party here is um, on the on the right side of politics, you know, and it has factions you know, that are to the left and the right of that. But you know, you know what I mean. Okay, but back to the texts. But liberalism, as we Australians use the word, is a conservative progressive thing. And when the polluted idea of anti-liberalism crosses the Pacific to here, you know, that's the American style, liberal, um, American definition of the word liberalism. And when the polluted idea of anti-open, you know, inverted commas, liberalism crosses the Pacific to here via social media, People think they are using a definition of liberalism that is healthy, but it's unhealthy, polluted. I think that's all. Okay, back to the, the show. Hey, when I do end up talking about giggles, well, Biggles, because that's the title of this uh, this episode. When I do end up talking about Biggles, it's going to be an anticlimax. I think I've already gone to about five hours. I haven't even started talking about him. I've got an episode called Biggles Takes a Holiday, you know, which is going to be a bit of a synopsis of the book called Biggles Takes a Holiday uh, by Captain W.E. Johns. Um, and um, it's going to be six hours before I even start talking about it. I've got a good mind when I do start talking about it to say, right, now finally, after seven hours of creating this episode, uh, I am now going to talk about Biggles Takes a Holiday. And here we go. And I'll say something like, oh, I'm all worn out. (laughs) Go and read it yourself. (laughs) And then say nothing about it. And then... Um, there you go. All right. So I'm obviously in. You know, I shouldn't drink so much alcohol because I'm. I must be drunk at the moment. Um, I'm actually a teetotaler. I don't know how that happened. Yes, I do. It was all part of my zen. All right. On with the show. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm new. That's anchor.fm new to get started.